0: Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren.
1: And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking.
0: We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love stepping away from our evangelical church background all the while leaning into god and moving forward in our faith
1: we'd love to hear your story you can find us on instagram at deconstruct.pod now onto the episode
0: everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have Phil Drisdale. He is a PK, which is a pastor's kid, who had spent his whole life in the church in various capacities, including church leader, pastoring a thousand church leaders in a global church network, and traveling around the world and speaking in over a thousand churches, conferences, and colleges about faith. Now, over the last eight years, He's helped thousands of people around the world who are deconstructing their faith. He conducts research into the deconstruction community. He helps people find others in their local area and creates a digital space to connect. He's also the host of a twice a week show where he talks with people who have deconstructed their faith. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, we are just honored to speak with you. Um, Actually, I think a couple people had messaged us and was like, you've got to have Phil on your podcast. I was like, all right, let's do it. I guess it's just meant to be.
2: That's awesome. My groupies (laughs) are uh, making their uh, monies. (laughs) Yes.
0: You're like little by little, just slip into people's DMs. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, you know, hearing at least even just in your bio, um, Mm. you were once quite busy as a uh, non-deconstructed Christian um and so of course being the deconstruct podcast and you doing your research on deconstruction um we love to hear people's stories and I know you just spoke about your story on your 100th episode of your podcast which congrats right. that's amazing
2: thank you yeah <laughs> it's amazing for me to do anything that long so uh that's <laughs> quite an achievement for me
0: oh I get it I get it well Okay, so it won't be the entire episode, but give us a little bit of how you went from, you know, being a church leader and pastoring, you know, all, all those church leaders and traveling mm-hmm. and doing the thing. How did you go from that to leading, you know, this this deconstruction research and talking with others about deconstruction?
2: Um, it's a great question. I mean, yeah, my, my podcast is about three hours long, so I'll give you the, <laughs> the, the kind of three-minute summary. <laughs> Perfect. But, um, honestly, like... Um, it kind of just happens. And and this is what I find when I, you know, you'll probably have found this as well, that, that most people don't choose to deconstruct. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, I think a lot of people don't end up being in leadership in churches. They don't uh, end up doing these things um, out of a, a desire that they've always had. I mean, maybe some, but I think a lot of people, it just kind of, happens, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I grew up in the church. I always said, I am not going to be like my dad, who was a pastor. I hate kind of, I didn't like the church that much. And mm-hmm. um, it was more through um, my own journey of like trying to figure out what I believed. that I became quite um, fundamental in my faith, quite passionate about it in a different way than my parents, not mm-hmm. completely different, but, um, you know, trying to forge my own path, that kind of ego driving um kind of teenage years where you're trying to build an identity that's a bit different than your family all that right. kind of stuff yeah um and that led me on my own path to kind of try and explore and and I don't ever do anything kind of by halves so I'm always doing everything as with as much gusto as possible yeah like I'll rip the door knob off the the door you know when I open it you know what I, mean? I can I'm relate 100% yeah. committed um and so uh yeah I mean that, that's really kind of um I, I end up kind of diving into kind of quite a a strict kind of brethren background. And then I kind of um, went into kind of more of a a soft Baptist. Don't, Don't think kind of like Southern Baptist like a lot of Americans would, but like more of a kind of global Baptist, which can look quite different. Mm. Um, a lot a, a little bit less fundamental maybe in a lot of ways still okay. very evangelical mm. um and then i end up um kind of taking it to further extremes I, I was running my own business and i i walked away from that and i gave up everything i owned and i moved to america to take part in a, a school of supernatural ministry because i decided charismatic christianity that's what's right you know it's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. driven by what was right really yeah. and, and just constantly i think i was always someone that um would tick off about two thirds of what the the qualifiers of deconstruction are that I was always questioning and always kind of, um, changing what I believed yeah. the, my whole journey. Really. I, I think that was always important to me. Um, yeah. my mom taught me that from an early age, question what you're told, question what people tell you is the truth and and think about it for yourself. Um, and I think that pissed her off a lot because I constantly <laughs> drove her insane by questioning everything. Um, but, uh, I I did that in Christianity and I would constantly go, this isn't adding up. I need to try and explore something new. Um, And before long, that just kind of ran its course. You know, you you question, you question, you question. And at certain points you start questioning things that um, maybe early on, you question some kind of peripheral things or secondary kind of um, doctrines. A lot of people talk about those kind of things, you know, like, "Ah, it doesn't matter if you uh, believe Jesus is coming back after the rapture. And I believe before the rapture, you know, Mm. that's not a problem. But if you turn around and go, I don't think Jesus is coming back or, uh, you know, is there really a hell that everyone's going to go to? Or right. oh, d- did Jesus uh, really, uh, I don't know, get born of a virgin or, you know, is Jesus really the son of God or any of these kind of big questions? When you start looking right. at that, even if you don't change your opinion on them, just questioning those big ones. Um, that's where things go very awry, very quickly for a lot of people. And um, it was only a matter of time before I started to kind of, arriving at those questions and at least asking those questions mm. um, but I had to do all at that point I had to do it all very privately um, because that was my job I was traveling around the world I was speaking in churches conferences I was still a very um, on the surface I was giving very kind of black and white fundamental answers to people's questions yeah Um. so yeah so I, I had to navigate that for quite a long time and try and figure out how do I still live in this world and still do what might be a helpful or good thing but try and move people away from such fundamental kind of dualism and into a little bit more of a open uh, plurality of options and faith yeah Um, so yeah it was quite quite an interesting journey for sure
0: Um, yeah Well, I, I, I don't know if you know much about our story, but I definitely relate. Um, Mm. you know, I, we were in the Christian music industry for most of our lives. Um, and I, you know, I was a, I was an artist and I think there was a lot of questions that I had from a very young age that I kept always going back to not truly understanding prayer and. And not understanding why, you know, I my gay friends weren't going to be in heaven with me. And not, you know, all right. these questions and things that I wrestled with as a kid. And then because I was just told to just, like, stop asking those questions. Like, stop, whatever. Like, God is sovereign. All those things. I think I I compensated. And I mm. went super, um, I, I guess fundamental is, I guess, the the term. But I just really leaned into um, anything that I thought I could hold on to, that I could sure. try to paint black and white. And I spoke from stage. And so we had certain things that we, we talked about, of course, in the beginning of our career. Um, it was it was my sister and I. We were the, the front. We were a duo. And so we would both talk um, a lot of the time to girls. And unfortunately, you know, we did have different times where we spoke about you know purity culture kind of things Mm. and we would talk about what you wear and all that stuff which I like I I have forgiven myself and I've worked (laughs) through that and um but I think I I can relate to you in the sense of like always questioning and then sometimes like in my questions not that you you use the word compensate but for me it's like what I would do I kind of compensated for my own like not understanding fully and not being able to yeah like grapple with the unknown and the things that I was told were wrong to to question um and so yeah and then through that, after years of being on the road and um talking from stage, you know our our deconstruction really started happening um mm. after getting off tour and not having a a uh, a church family or we di- we didn't have right. like that community we were we were telling everybody else like existed we didn't have um and then you know adam and i are married and so we were are talking about kids and i think i i uttered the phrase several times you know in another life this is the reality and i get to love everyone and and this is mm. the and if my kids you know, turned out this way, or if my kids ask me this question, this is what I would say, and then I would always end it, well, you know, in another life, of course, mm-hmm. and I think that was the thing that I was like, why, why, why in another life why why can't it be this one? And so of course, right. I went back to those original questions that I had when I was a kid and did a lot of research, and that's you know podcasts existed, and YouTube existed, and so I was surrounded right. by a lot of other people who were you know digging up a lot of. Truth, and therefore, art deconstruction kind of started taking place, but anyway, yeah, I just want to say like I, I definitely relate to that and just like honing in on those questions and those being so important
2: yeah absolutely I, and and uh, to be honest you, it was in my travel um I mean you guys were on the road as well, and a lot was, it, was it cCM you were involved with, yeah, 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 so you guys are on the road, and you 're doing a lot of things, but i'm sure you met so many people yeah. in that experience and I don't know about you, but for me, one of the experiences I found is like people trust um, guest speakers, uh, guest, whatever, um, a lot more than people closer to them because there's less consequence of being found out in Mm. a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a there's a a level of anonymity when they come up to you at the end of a service after a message or you maybe say, hey, I'll pray for people at the end and um and like 80 percent of the people come out to you don't want prayer they just want to go hey like what do you think about this Mm. or i'm not sure i think about this and or you go back and you stay in people's homes or you talk to pastors over the lunch table or whatever and they're like yeah i don't really believe in this but i kind of have to teach (laughs) it otherwise i don't get to you know show up every sunday um and and it was in that process of traveling and speaking that i realized god there is like a. Uh, I I use the word uh, epidemic. I don't mean it in a negative sense. Obviously, it's probably a poor, uh, poor reading (laughs) of the room to use that word. Um, But like, it's huge, huge um, thing influencing the church and, Mm -hmm. and going on within the church where people do have huge questions. And these are the big questions. They're not these secondary questions. These are primary questions about their faith um that would leave them in huge trouble if they'd asked their pastor or maybe even confided in their partner or you know i mean it could be really huge but they see someone that shows up that you know is maybe like open and maybe shares slightly openly that gives them a hope that maybe they could ask a question and they jump at it people left right and center are going hey i don't believe that either like what do you think you know Mm -hmm. um and it it just goes to show us this huge movement um Going on, as you know, I mean, you guys have been doing this and talking to people for a while and, and, and processing this. Like, this is a huge movement. Uh, it's the largest spiritual movement in the West. Oh yeah, um, and, and the fastest growing. Uh, sorry, not the largest, but the fastest growing spiritual movement in the West by a long shot. Um, and so it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, there's almost three thousand people a day leaving the American Church. Wow, for good. That's uh, it's crazy. about two thousand seven hundred. Um, and that's actually an old statistic, that's uh, 2015, but it's the most recent statistic oh, wow. we have on that. Wow. Um, and, and it's been accelerating since, you know, God, the, the 80s. And so I'd imagine that is still accelerating. Uh, I think Pew Research will be putting out new data on that this year, actually, if not the next. Um, but yes, yeah, so you're looking at at least a million people, some estimate as much as 3 million, every year leave the American church for good. Um and what's fascinating about that is 78, 79% of them still profess to have some form of spirituality or faith. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't people done with God, Jesus, et cetera. Now, some of that spirituality and faith could be done with God and Jesus, certainly in the package they've been given. But um, you know, I think a lot of people are still very open to these um conversations and this um exploring that spirituality. And I think that's the interesting component of the deconstruction movement is it it isn't as black and white as it was when this movement hit its peak in yeah. Europe. You know, Europe had a deconstruction movement in the 80s, really, 70s and 80s. That's when Europe became largely atheist, um, which, which it had been, largely a Christian continent.
0: Mm.
2: Um, and it's the same thing. But the difference was, right, you guys start deconstructing. What do you do? You crack open Google. You open up Facebook and you search, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you suddenly go, holy crap, there's tons of people doing this. And you process and you talk. And because there's space for that conversation, you can actually... Find wiggle room. You can Google, mm. like, oh, is there a type of Christianity that doesn't believe in eternal conscious torment of hell? Mm. Oh, there is. Oh, maybe I'm still a Christian then.
0: Yeah. But yeah. back in
2: the 80s, people were doing this uh, in Europe, and their option was okay, I'm now an agnostic or an atheist.
1: Hey everyone, want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode. Yeah, There, there right.
2: was no kind of this middle ground of figuring out what yeah. you might believe that could be this quasi-blend. Um and so it's a really fascinating space that we're in. Sorry, just a bit of a ramble. But, no, that uh, is really
0: fascinating. Of- I I I didn't know that. Um I didn't know the exact time, but that makes sense. Um because yeah, I feel like there is you can kind of find your perfect formulated version of of Christianity. Well, it's wherever. social <laughs> right. now. It's yeah. social.
1: Back then it was it was something that you had to deal with your spirituality Violently. intrinsically, yeah, with yourself and and now Everything about it is mm. is social. I mean, not entirely. Mm. Clearly, like you went through a process where you were deconstructing quite privately. But it um, can be social. But it, but it, there's the capability of being social and finding commonalities with people that are, I mean aren't even right. in your circle because because I think the biggest limiter to deconstructing your faith is that you're only surrounded by people that believe the same way that you at least used to believe when you're functioning with only the people within your church spaces, right? So I'm curious, when you were out speaking and you were still um, preaching, I guess, pre-deconstructed Christianity is like the best way I can put it. Did you, in those moments when you got to talk to people that had those big questions, did you ever feel like you had that social interaction? Did you feel like you ever had an outlet for the questions that you had? Or did you feel like you just had to maintain the message that you were putting out on stage?
2: For a long time, I didn't. Um, I I think uh, there's always kind of this broad gap. So there's kind of where you're at. And and this goes with anyone that has kind of some sort of public um, audience that they're trying to help move in a direction is generally speaking, you're helping them move in the same direction as you, which maybe presumes that you might be a few steps along the journey ahead. (laughs) Um, If you've got enough humility and grace, you might realize, oh, but I'm probably not done. So let's not bring them just to where I am. Let's, you know, start a trajectory rather than a destination Um, but generally speaking you know where they are and where you are you'll probably try and land your message somewhere in the middle if you try and tell them exactly where you are they just turn around and walk away Um, and that doesn't really help anyone you know it's not going to help anyone move forwards Um, and so I I was always kind of um, aware that okay I can't tell people where I am most of the time I maybe have a few confidants and friends that I can kind of be more open with um, but generally speaking, when I'm out and about, I can. And so it was finding the grounds of how do I be my authentic self? How do I be true to what I believe? How do I not just run around lying? But mm-hmm. at the same time, how do I very carefully select how I phrase things and what I phrase and even what I choose to teach on? So things like, okay, these people are still in a very um, fundamental stage of their development, of of, of their psychological development. Um, if you study any kind of human psychological um, uh, uh development models things like spiral dynamics integral theory things like that um people that are in this place are are still looking for safety certainty mm. security they're looking for kind of black and white answers they, they, they need that yeah um, and to not give them that is actually a great unkindness and they're probably not ready um to mm-hmm. do anything else um, and so you have to figure out okay how do i how do i give them certain um pieces so for me i I, one of the things i first addressed was how do i get them to look at the bible and just see that there's some different opinions in there um so they're going to be literal about the bible okay i can be literal about the bible we can Mm -hmm. find some literal contradictions yeah Yeah. we can find jeremiah saying when you guys came out of exodus uh, out of egypt in exodus god says he never gave you any laws or asked you to do any sacrifices moses was a liar that's in Jeremiah, Jeremiah seven, and Jesus quotes it right when he's clearing out the temple. He's quoting yeah. that, saying God doesn't want sacrifice. That's that's what the clearing of the temple is. He's siding with Jeremiah over Moses. Um, but just kind of start touching. That's probably an extreme example. I wouldn't I wouldn't start with that. I'd probably do a, a weekend series <laughs> and end on that uh, with most uh, uh, kind of evangelicals. But but looking at that, going oh, what do you think about the fact that God said an eye for an eye? And then God came back and says, well, you've heard people say an eye for an eye, like me earlier, Yeah. but now I'm saying, maybe turn your cheek, you know, and, and getting people to see oh, there's, there's different ways to engage with this scripture. If I can start doing that, well, maybe when I come back three years from now, we can talk about homosexuality. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe yeah. in
2: 10 years, we can talk about, you know, what is it to be divine or, you know, uh, just kind of helping see that change doesn't happen overnight. I'm yeah. not perfect anyway. I'm not right. So getting them to believe like me isn't the goal. Yeah. If that's the goal, you're doomed to failure anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing, oh, I could help people move in a positive way. I think that for me was how I tried to present myself. And, and in that way, I could be authentic. I could be honest. I didn't feel like I was disingenuous. But it was hard work. It was mentally grueling. It was very isolating and lonely at times. Mm. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend it for most people. And right. at a certain point, I got to the point where my audience... And the people that were following me online and different things, I had come to a place where I felt I was able to kind of rip the bandaid off and go, OK, guys, here's where I'm at and we're mm. not going. And, you know, we're all moving in this direction, but it's going to look very different for everyone. And yeah. here's where we're at. And that was probably about five, six years ago. I was probably very open about that. Mm. Yeah. And, well, so,
1: yeah. It, and it seems like it seems like your style of not preaching or pastoring, but your style of exposing your faith and beliefs and journey to. The world has kind of taken a turn and and looked outward. Um, like mm. obviously, recently with your hundredth episode, was you had mentioned that it was one of the first times you've really talked in depth about your own deconstruction journey. And so, sure. I'm curious, did it was that out of result of the experience that you had in your transition from pastoring and and traveling around while deconstructing privately? Uh,
2: per- perhaps somewhat. I, I think largely one of the things that I think, you know, people like ourselves, we have to be very cautious. Um, so, um, generally speaking, people that deconstruct, if you look at, um, again, I'm going to bring up this, is my, I just love, um, uh, frames of psychological development and models of them because they're so helpful and they're so, um, grounded in academic, uh, proving there's, there's no question that people evolve psychologically in a certain trajectory. You know, there's hundreds of models and they all kind of follow the same trajectory. Um, but one of the things that people do is when they come out of that stage that's looking for safety, certainty, security, that's the stage where they start to sacri- uh, where, where they have been sacrificing their own autonomy for the group, mm. and they look to an authority to give them that safety, certainty, and security. Yeah. The next stage starts to see that actually I'm giving up a lot here for security, and I need to actually maybe value myself more. Maybe I could be my authority. Maybe I have a bit of autonomy. Maybe I can become something great and not just, you know, sacrifice my own desires and, and wants for the group. Um, and it, it doesn't hate the group. It doesn't, you know, reject the group, but it, but it just starts to go, what about me? Um, and it starts to go, there's something more than just feeling safe and secure. So that's kind of the transition that most people that start to deconstruct, they're going through that stage of psychological development. Um, for people that are familiar with spiral dynamics, this is kind of um, stage blue to uh, orange. Most people would um, label them in colors. Mm. Um, but what we have to be careful of is generally speaking, people aren't just one color or not, one way of thinking or not. That takes a long time to traverse that kind of journey between one way of thinking and another. Mm -hmm. And so as people start to deconstruct, as people start going, I could ask these questions. Who who says my pastor is the the be all and end end all of like knowing about God and knowing about the Bible. I could figure this out. And so you start Googling, you start researching. One of the things that's going on is you still have this huge need for safety, security, and certainty undergirding it all this is why people feel so much fear and stress and and anxiety as they deconstruct Um, and one of the dangers is that people like yourselves or me or any of other people that are offering um, uh, to be a space where this conversation can happen and to maybe be a voice in in helping people go through this process we can inadvertently become that new authority figure that makes them feel safe, certain, and secure. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, we actually dictate what their deconstruction should look like. Um, And actually we hinder their deconstruction by giving them more black and white rather than leaving the space open. And so actually the main reason I don't talk about my journey is because my journey doesn't matter. Mm. Your journey matters. Because your journey isn't going to be like the next person I talk to. And it's yeah. not going to be like the next person I talk to. Now, we'll all have a, a similar theme here. We all will go through the, the three markers of deconstruction. Um, so there's, there's you know, specific markers that have to be kind of ticked off for someone to deconstruct. Um, and so we'll, we'll go through these those three markers for sure. But beyond that, like, what does it look like? What parts do we lose faith in? What parts do we hold on to? What What does that look like? How does How do we process that uncertainty? Do we have trauma? Do we have other adverse mental health issues that come up from these uh, major changes of faith? That's all going to look really unique to individuals. Um, and so I don't like being prescriptive. Um, I like to leave the, the room as, uh, the, the, the playing fields as open as possible for people to kind of figure out what works for them.
0: Yeah, it's, I love hearing you talk about this because it's it's just very similar. It feels very familiar to me. Um, I, you know, on my own social media platforms, I I talk a lot about my own like journey, um, but I always end it with a question. I'm always saying, Mm. well, this could be this could be it or it could not be at all like i'm always like well what <laughs> do i really know and that's like how i kind of end everything it's like well but right. what, what do i know and I, I i i have been telling adam for years that i don't want to be a role model because role models i mean the reason why somebody's a role model or somebody's like kind of like an idol is because y- somebody else is looking at you where you are right now and that's what they want and that's what they're looking up to mm. and that's what you know almost like you were talking about with the pastor situation of like well, I no longer you know believe in these sort of theologies or this sort of um, practice, but you still, especially in the beginning of deconstruction, crave that the the security of somebody else um, approving of you and approving yep. of and invalidating your your thoughts and your experiences. And so I, I have tried to be conscious of that in my own journey and how I mm. how I speak, but I know even for myself, um uh, when we first started deconstructing i wanted to find a church um i was really desperate to have somebody validate me um right. and i don't i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that and i don't think there's anything no, wrong no, with staying so. in church for forever and and never missing a week but i also don't think there's anything wrong with you know going a few times or or never going and for me mm. i i was desperate to find that in a community that um, affirmed me. And so Adam and I actually found a progressive Christian church here in Nashville that, you know, whenever everything was open, we were going and, um, and it was, it was healing for me Mm
1: -hmm. when
0: I, I needed to know that I could walk into the church and, you know, because of my experience being in CCM and being, you know, the, 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 what is what is the word the the forefront the picture of purity culture and what the, sure. what that is? Um, right. I I wanted to know that I could walk into a church with w- wearing shorts and I wasn't going to be reprimanded and yelled at or whatever. <laughs> so I challenged myself to wear shorts to church, um, and mm. I did, and and that was. I was like shaking the whole time, but in a way that was very healing because I was still, I was affirmed, I was validated. And then a couple of messages validated things that I, I was thinking and I was, you know, questioning. And, and that was really good for me at that time. I've since like yeah. kind of removed myself from the church though, because I I feel like I, that's what I needed. You know, I needed yep. that time. And now I feel like I'm, I have, it's in a, not in a, better than way in any, in any way. Um, but I, I'm kind of done sitting under the authority of a a white man telling me about Christianity and his version of it. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that affirmation and that validation. But now I feel confident enough in my own self and in my own spirituality that I maybe, maybe I have something Maybe I have something to offer and maybe I have something where I can learn even from my own, like my own inner thoughts and my own inner spirituality.
2: Mm, yeah, that's really good. I like that a lot. Um, I, I think, And it speaks again to, you know, when we talk about um, stages of psychological development, none is better than the other. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't look at, um, uh, you know, someone, you wouldn't look at a teenager and go, oh, a teenager is better than a toddler. Like, right. What does that mean, you know? Yeah. Um it, it's just that a teenager is a toddler grown up. Yeah. Um so a teenager might be better at maths or something, you know. Um <laughs> yeah. but a toddler's probably better at having fun, let's be honest. Um, and so <laughs> um it, these different stages aren't better than, they just they incorporate what was and they move on and add to it. Um in the same way that you know you might look at something like the progressive church, it might be something like going from elementary school to high school. Now, elementary school isn't wrong and it's not bad and it's not inferior to high school. It's just a stage before high school. And yeah. it's really important. If you go straight to high school, you're kind of fucked, right?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> like you're not going to get very far. Right. Um, and so that's good. But also in the same token, high school, not for everyone, you know, yeah. maybe some people that are still, you know, hanging around like towards the later grades at, you know, 38. But most people are done by, you know, 17, 18 years old, you're kind of done. Um, and you need to look for what's going to help you next. Where do you want to go next? What's going to feed you and, and, and develop you? And I think in a lot of ways, um, the progressive church it, it is a landing pad for some people. Some people end up in the progressive church and don't move on. And I think that's great. And it's wonderful. It, you know, I, I, that, I'm not uh, I'm not saying the progressive church is like a school. And if you don't leave, you're, you're never graduating <laughs> right. or anything like that. Um, so the, the analogy somewhat falls down there. Don't, don't get too caught up on that. Um, but I do think, you know, for a lot of people, it is that it's a, oh, I, I've got new lessons to learn. I need to build on this, this stuff that I've learned in prior stages. But when you get to a certain point, you go, you know what, this is a lot for a lot of people. This isn't teaching me anything anymore, or it's not feeding me in the same way, or it's not supporting me in the same ways that I need to be supported, um, and so people do move on but i mean 32% of deconstruction christians attend church weekly at least weekly mm. so some a lot more um but generally speaking as deconstruction develops um they are seven times more likely to stop attending mm. um towards the later stages of deconstruction so for a huge portion of people and um, when you look at very late stage deconstruction um Only sort of like 10 to 15% of them attend church weekly. Yeah. Um, And what's fascinating about that is it's actually about two to one male to female. So men are twice as likely to be attending church at least once a week compared to females. Well, do you think that's
0: partly due to to leadership and just like um, representation?
2: Uh, I mean, I can speak uh, from my personal experience and talking with you know, thousands of women about this process, but I mean, we, d- we don't have hard data on it yet. That's mm-hmm. is something we're going to be looking at in the next year or two um, as we continue to work on kind of the research side of it. But I think there's a few different components. I think, largely speaking, if you're a man with questions in the church versus if you're a woman in- mm-hmm. with questions in the church, We can finish that sentence. Right. We know Mm -hmm. we know how that's going to go. Right. Um, And it might go really badly for men. I'm not I'm not saying men asking questions in the church doesn't go badly for a lot of them. But if you're a female, I can guarantee it's going to go badly. Right. (laughs) It just doesn't. Right. We've got whole categories of Jezebel and all sorts for for those people. Right. Um, But I do think as well, there's a component of females have more to deconstruct. Mm -hmm. um the 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 system of christianity and and the church is a very patriarchal system um and so there's a lot more to deconstruct it's why in some ways you see a lot less deconstruction in the black church in america which is fascinating but a lot of it is because they actually have deconstructed a crap ton of what christianity is because of their experience of christianity as uh an oppressed people by christianity yeah um and so they actually have deconstructed a lot a lot of the black church not to say that there isn't still very toxic um theology within that world um but a lot of it has dealt with some really toxic theology already and yeah. so they have less to deconstruct um so yeah i mean there's, and there's a whole host of different stuff we could talk about with race as well but like um yeah i do think for females i think a large part of it will show as we kind of look into that it's going to be about how much they have to deconstruct it's just so much more oppression there for them yeah um, than men
0: yeah yeah i i would tend to agree um and i think one of the things that uh helped kind of propel me once i was done with um done i i don't like that word but once i i realized i i didn't emotionally need to attend church every week um Mm. there was a lot of um, digging into my my heritage, and right. so I I'm native, and so there was a lot of um, work that I began to do. Um, that was a lot of coming back to, you know, trying to reconnect with my ancestor spirituality and what that looked like, and I think that mm-hmm. like kind of propelled me forward to look within more um rather because you know I I don't have I don't actually have my my grandparents to to speak to um they were not alive in my in my time um and so I yeah I've just had to do a lot of inner work and so because of that I think it's given me the opportunity to to think that there might be something else for me to uh to learn from and I, I think data also has helped me, and I, I think mm. the information like you've been you've been spitting out statistics and and obviously you do you've been doing research and um and I love that that gives me assurance and so my question is for you is part of your research is this is this something that um has helped you cope with your own deconstruction or is it totally out of just you know, your curiosity or how do you think it's like um, aided you in your own journey?
2: Uh, massively. I, I think um, I'm the kind of person that I love. I love data. I just love numbers. Let me see all the numbers mm-hmm. and I can feel like I kind of understand something. Um, and so that definitely plays to my my personality in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, I, I think it, it just gives a bit of peace, doesn't it? I mean, when you can, uh, you know, Deconstruction is one of the most lonely journeys you can go on um because especially i mean you know even though this is a huge community of people online now um when you compare the amount of people that are running around online to the amount of people that are leaving the church, I just quoted you know at the beginning of this podcast you know almost as many as three thousand people leaving a day yeah um you know most of us in this space on on online have maybe like a you know ten thousand fifty thousand people following us, mm-hmm. not one to three million a year just in america you know this is right. huge you know i mean even like you know your big names in kind of maybe some of these spaces like rob bell i mean mm-hmm. aren't capturing all these people and, and so there's a huge amount of these people that go through this and are very lonely because they don't have the the language they don't have the um the, the level of privilege as well that is afforded to certain people to be able to deconstruct i think that's a, a big component that a lot of people don't talk about as well mm-hmm. is that Um, you know certain people are uh, a lot more um, privileged to have the time and the space and the mental space to do deconstruction whereas a lot of people are juggling you know two jobs or a single mom um, you know have other disadvantages or whatever it might be um, and they don't have time to sit and ask all these deep questions and research and you know read lots of books and listen to 12 podcasts a week you know or that's, their paycheck
0: a, is coming from the church and they right. can't afford well, it.
2: That's a whole nother level, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other level. Um, but yeah, so I, I think what I'm hoping in doing this research and what the research did for me was help me see I'm not alone. You know, when I traveled and I, and I felt quite lonely in this process um i had a idea of like oh if i can teach a certain way maybe i can help people start to go on this journey what amazed me is the people that come up to me afterwards and start talking to me and go sounds like you're talking about this and i'm like i am talking about this you know <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we're we we're on the same page already i don't have to bring you on a journey you're here you're way ahead of me most of the people to be honest with you um and so you you realize oh i'm not alone you know this is the 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 hard reality of deconstruction you know when you talk about um grief um i have michelle collins on she she um she's doing a doctorate in the grief of deconstruction and she's mm. a fascinating person um she just finished a book i've got a copy i'm supposed to write a forward for that i forgot to so it's probably out now um but uh, it, she's she's got great stuff out there um but she talks about the grief of deconstruction and, and you really do grieve in deconstruction because pretty much everything dies yeah. you have the death yeah. of god even if you're God, you still believe in God, you believe in a different God, that God's gone. Yeah, There's right. a death of the relationship you had with God. There's a death of yourself. Who you are was intrinsically wrapped up in this religion, and now your religion's changing and you are changing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a death of relationships, your partner, your kids, your friends, your family, your church. Um, but what's interesting is when you poll people on what is it that they grieve the most, people don't grieve. Uh, Lost love. Relationships. They don't lose grieve the loss of their partner as much as the loss of community. Community mm. beats every single component of what people are, are grieving as mm. they deconstruct. It's 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 being a part of something that is um very meaningful and, and beautiful. And, and I think if we can say anything positive about uh the church, which I think there's lots to be said that's positive about the church, one of the things it does very well a lot of the time, not perfectly, not saying it's perfect is gather people around each other to support one another and to encourage one another to be nice to each other. And I know people have negative experiences within that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but the reason most of us really miss it is because there's a lot of good stuff in the mix of that. You know, you see this a lot with ex-Mormon community because mm. they do community even more. Right. Like, radically. Um, but people are really grieving that community loss. And so I think the thing with data is it starts pointing out, oh, there's millions of people like me. You know, I get people that go, there's no one in the world that's like me. I feel utterly alone. It's just me and maybe you. And I'm like, well, there's a bunch of people following me. And if you follow people, follow them. Um, and, And then I'm like, well, hold on. Like, look at this data. The odds are you could walk out your front door, turn left or right, and just start knocking on doors as you went. You'd be like a weird cult or whatever, but just start knocking on the door and go, hey, do you used to be religious and you're not anymore? I guarantee you wouldn't get more than four or five doors before someone was like, yeah. Oh
0: my God. And then
2: I reckon if you ask them, do you still kind of believe in something and and have questions and doubts? I guarantee you wouldn't get through more than one or two people before they were like, yeah, like you wouldn't get 10 doors down your street without finding someone that was a bit like you. Um, it amazes me. And, and sometimes I'm like, man, we should just like pluck up a pair and just go for it, right? Because um, it would be a lot less <laughs> lonely if we did this. Maybe again, read the room 2020 post, or 2021. And maybe don't knock on doors. Probably not a good you. time to do door to door. Yeah. yeah. Um, no so,
0: deconstructed uh, evangelism right now. Oh. <laughs> right,
2: exactly. <laughs> Wait, maybe a um, little longer. No I mean you you may give yourself mass trauma doing this, so I, I'm not advising Truly. the model but but what I'm saying is we are far from alone, but I think the data starts to point that stuff out. You start to see the ridiculousness of that self talk that I'm utterly alone that there's no one like me that I 'll never find anyone that thinks like me i'll never be able to find a community again i'll never be able to be in a group of friends that is meaningful um and cares for me again in the same way that the church did like. That just isn't there, the data. And the data is as well that people are just as loving, just as kind, just as compassionate. In fact, most people that leave the church, because the church didn't allow them to be those things enough,
0: Mm, right? Right.
2: So people don't leave the church because they want it to be less loving or less compassionate. It's because they turned out to be more loving and compassionate than that church's model of God. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, you know, quite sad, but there you
1: go.
0: Yeah, right. And, you know, okay, so I actually wanted to share something that – um. Came across my mind last night. We were headed to bed. We were, Adam was already asleep, and something that came across my mind was, "I'm, I'm genuinely pretty happy right now." And I, mm-hmm. a thought that came up that hasn't in a long time was, "Oh, I'm happy right now," and this like weird fear crept in. Was like, "Okay, yeah, but w- what shit is about to hit the fan?" Which is something mm-hmm. I used to live by Um because. I was kind of raised in the the theology of, you know, we go through the valleys, the highs, the lows, whatever. And it, and, and God, because of God's holiness, he allows Satan to come. Right. Basically, ruin the the higher devils. Right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> and so I I had that fear of like, well, OK, what what's about to go down? I'm like, wait, mm. what would make something go wrong right now? Like what? If I, because you know, I've deconstructed the, the 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 devil situation in in my own journey, and sure. I I I no longer believe in this like evilish creature who's like trying to whisper things in my ear and like ruin my you know life and happiness. So right. what was I really afraid of? And I think it just was going back to like that was just a um a routine um mentality that I grew mm. up with, and I just. I I I kind of sat with that for a moment and reminded myself that I'm safe and that there isn't this devilish little creature who's trying to ruin my life. <laughs> and 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 there and on top of that what's even what would be even worse, you know, previously what would what would be the hardest part was that I I used to believe that God let it happen because he just wanted to show that he was holy. And that was the worst yeah. part because I you know, I I believing that this God who loved me so much and wanted to care for me, and I was like, you know, God's kid and all these things, but then would allow like really horrible things to happen to me. It just, it didn't, it didn't compute. Okay, so like I I was able to sit there and then I was thankful for so many of the things that I've gone through in my deconstruction and and, and a lot of it has been really painful and a lot of it has been really mm. lonely. But then I'm reminded, and last night I was reminded of, how often I really was in pain before um, right but I just I just kind of chucked it up to be you know just part of the journey and part of you know what it what it takes to be a follower of Christ and all of these things but um it, it just gave me the opportunity to to kind of look back and to and to remind myself that I'm safe and that um that I'm okay and be thankful for a lot of the journey that has been hard but a lot of it really has been beautiful beautiful too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, there, and there's a thing in that. I mean, as humans, we create narratives. That's how we, you know, find meaning to the fact that we, right. as a bunch of atoms hurtling on a rock through space, you know, <laughs> exist. Like that's a bloody terrifying story. So right. we find a better story, right? Um, and and some of the early stories were religion. You know, there these these ideas of God and spirits and afterlives, and those are pretty late stories, to be honest with you. But you know, like, yeah. um, you know, we we come up with these stories, and and one of the things that you find in deconstruction is a lot of these very hard things like geez like we all go through some real rough stuff right i mean Mm. like we we lose loved ones we go through sickness we you know we get in a car crash and whatever you know i mean like up stands left right you know we lose a job you know life is hard and it's crap sometimes but what's interesting is um the religion and spirituality often gives a overarching narrative that kind of quantifies it it gives it purpose it gives it meaning and in some ways it um it allows pain with pain with a purpose hurts a lot less Mm. or it allows you to kind of grin and bear it and go but this is for a reason i'm storing up heavenly treasures or you know whatever it is right? right or i'm getting more you know gold stars on the charts in god's fridge you know yeah. um, whatever it is um but you know that happens but what's interesting is as you deconstruct you lose the the narrative you lose the purpose you lose those um mechanisms that allow you to navigate pain and, and suffering um and so pain and suffering in some ways become actually uh, much worse. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, uh, our next big study is going to be a wellness metric and we want to look at the wellness of people that deconstruct uh, mentally. Mm. Um, but a lot of the data out there is certainly on people that de-church, which is a different group that shouldn't be, you know, too um, kind of juxtaposed with deconstruction because obviously about a third of people that deconstruct don't de-church. They stay mm. in church. Right. But the de-church, generally speaking, have a much lower wellness than mm. people that are in church. They're much less healthy In their mental health certainly towards the first few years i don't Mm. know how much data is on that long term i would imagine and i'm hoping we kind of can look at this a bit more long-term long-term things actually go much better it's kind of a u-shape almost Mm. um but generally speaking people that leave the church their mental health takes a beating Um, and it's because they don't have these kind of stories that allow them to process this stuff And, and 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 i don't think necessarily those stories are unhealthy um, they just are what they are. Right. You know, at the end of the day, after we deconstruct and we create our news stories, it's not much to say that's more true. I mean, right. even the most true thing that we're a bunch of atoms that <laughs> gain sentience and, you know, the gut bacteria in our gut is basically pulling the strings, you know, that right. we're some slave to gut bacteria. is really like about <laughs> as true as it gets. So going for the most true story doesn't make us feel safer, right? Right, so, right. Um, So I don't think um, it's it's necessarily a bad thing to have a story that might not be accurate or true. Um, I think it can be a very beautiful and important thing um, for people. And so, yeah, I I think it's interesting, though, but as people deconstruct, they lose those stories and they have to figure out, well, what what story am I going to tell myself? How do I build purpose? A lot of people ask that question. They, they, They can't fathom having meaning and purpose Um, is actually why i point most people that deconstruct looking for meaning and purpose i point to humanists or secularists or Mm -hmm. atheists Mm -hmm. yeah um because they absolutely have no god they're they're convinced there is no god right and they have meaning and purpose most of them yeah so i go well how did they do it you might still come back to a point of having god or you may hold on to god all the way through but figure out how they do it and i guarantee you can pull some of that stuff and 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 it will help you yeah um but yeah it's, it's a very scary process for a lot of people yeah
0: that's good advice, actually. Um, that's something that I've done as well, and and more recently, as I've I've been very intrigued in in um, following different agnostics and atheists. Um, I find myself sometimes along those lines, and so I it's it's very mm-hmm. interesting. If 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 nothing else, it's interesting, and I get to hear somebody else's experience, and I think that's part of the fun of. Whenever we get to the fun part, (laughs) that's part of the fun, (laughs) hearing other people and how they've dealt with it and how, you know, whether they've deconstructed or they've always been atheist or, you know, whatever it is. I just I find it so interesting. And I know, obviously, you find it so interesting Mm. when you have your podcast and you are on other people's podcasts and even in your research and all of that. I, I think it's just it's it truly can be fun. It can be hard and painful. And it is. Um, But also it it can be fun, too. And um, I love that you also create a space and a community and you help, you know, people find others like locally. I think like you've been talking, like community is one of the biggest parts of of survival as uh, humans. um, We need that. And, you know, 2020 had been very hard for that. Twenty twenty one. We're still kind of looking for. For that right. those kind of spaces and how to the deal. poor people
2: that deconstructed in twenty twenty. Right. Oh. I, know, I know. I
0: know. We actually had our I think one of our recent episodes, you know, I think we talked on that a little bit, how their feelings of loneliness is like tripled because next it, level. They almost yeah. feel like they they did it to themselves. Like they're lonely in their house because they deconstructed. I'm like, no, no, we're also in a pandemic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> remind yourself that. Just just because churches
1: <laughs> are meeting in a pandemic doesn't mean that it's your fault that you're not part of the church right. meeting that's meeting in right. a pandemic. Yeah, right.
0: So, you know, and so I'm really appreciative of, of your work. Um, mm. And and so lastly, I I would love for you to give yourself a little shout out and where people can find you.
2: Sure. Um well I mean on that note, uh that one of the best places people can go to is the deconstruction mm. Um so that's a, a completely free resource that um it, it's not much. There's not much to it. You you sign up, you get your name and you put in your city and state or country, it's all over the world. Um and from there you can find other people in your local area and shoot them a message um and, and just take it from there. Um but There's about two and a half thousand people on there now. Um, It's still early days, but it's growing fairly rapidly. And and it's my first recommendation to most people because that loneliness component and just having someone else in a local vicinity. There's there's so much online stuff that's fantastic, but there's not much Mm. that compares to going for a beer with a friend or laughing over a cup of coffee or crying over a meal or (laughs) whatever (laughs) emotion you choose to do. But having someone there... um, it makes a big difference and obviously it's probably a terrible time to do it again pandemic but you know once you've got your vaccine or whatever you know go hook up with some people on the deconstruction network right um but yeah that would be a good place to go it's also where we're doing our research if you want to be involved Mm -hmm. in our research um that would be amazing um we're really looking for as many people from as broad a a background as possible because we want to obviously get some great data on 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 this group and kind of change the narrative about what deconstruction is and who deconstructing christians are because obviously the mar- narrative around that is largely led by white male pastors of evangelical churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's basically bullshit, right? I mean, right. So <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Most of us don't know what we're talking about. Exactly. So, you know, we can't expect them to. Um, so that's a great place to go. Um, uh, largely I'm active on Instagram. That's where you want to connect with me is just Phil Dryso on Instagram, I, I chat with people all day, every day, I, I put four or five hours in a day, kind of connecting with people, helping them on their journey. Lovely. Um, so if you, if you need someone to talk to, if you need someone to process with, connect with me, um, all my resources are available through that. The, the, I've got a, a YouTube channel, I've got videos, I've got, um, podcasts, all that different stuff. Um, podcast is just the Phil Dreisel show. Um, nice. and that's kind of long form, kind of one and a half to three hour podcasts where we kind of talk about people's journeys, faith, deconstruction, and then we have people on that are kind of experts in different fields talking about stuff like that as well.
0: Awesome. Um, but Yeah. So you have it all. Everyone, you heard it here. You can literally find anything and everything. Uh, and we'll, <laughs> we'll, link, we'll link it all um, in the, the show notes. And um, yeah, if you love statistics and they give you any sort of hope and comfort, definitely take uh, partake in the uh, research. So, make sure you go to the website.
1: And you can't overlook all the memes on your Instagram page.
0: It's, yeah, it's quite fantastic. This is why I'm really here. (laughs) (laughs) The memes, they truly bring life uh, amongst, you know, all this craziness. So, well, Phil, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was just truly a breath of fresh air to speak with you and uh, hear your story. And we appreciate you saying yes.
2: well thank you so much thank you for what you're doing in this space like we we need as many people in this space creating space having great conversations helping people realize they're not alone um helping people see kind of there is hope there is maybe that fun at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. um, or maybe somewhere along the tunnel Hopefully. (laughs) um so yeah no thank you for what you guys are doing it is it's amazing i really appreciate it and it's a privilege to be on the show thank you
0: oh of course well thank you guys so much for listening and until next time
1: Bye. Bye.